Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. Welcome to Schooled with a Professor. John Clayton here. And, of course, uh, as we head toward the fourth weekend and, of course, a uh, chance for a lot of people to take some time off and all that stuff. But we got to be on duty here because there's lots going on in the National Football League, even though it's supposed to be a quiet time. And joining us on Schooled is Will Brinson from CBS Sports. And, well, th- I'm going to start off here. And we're going to hit a lot of different topics. But I'm kind of wondering, are we seeing a beginning of a trend that might happen? that kind of carries into some things we're seeing in the NBA and baseball. And the trend I'm looking at is that, uh, you know, obviously you have players that are concerned about the virus, concerned about trying to come back. Uh, We just saw that Chris Jones has said, if I'm not paid $20.1 million, which is his value, and I don't see him getting it because, again, you don't know what the cap's going to be next year, he's threatening to sit out the season. Then you have Devontae Freeman. He turned down $3 million on a one-year deal from Seattle because he wanted to stick to his number. And now I throw a third name in there, Jadevian Clowney, uh, you know, who's been, you know, he wanted originally 22, 23 mil. He dropped it down to 17. He's not really even countering any offers and there's not many offers. And I'm wondering, is he now one of the three of many that may just decide to sit out the season? He talked to Josina Anderson yesterday and said that, uh, well, I hope to get something done by the start of the season meaning he's thinking maybe it's going to take through training camp to get something. Are we seeing a new trend with some NFL players that are big money that might give up the money and miss the season? Yeah, I think you know those cases might be a little unique, but, but not too dissimilar with Clowney. I mean, it seems to me, John, that what his plan is, I mean, I think he sort of settled into the, all right, you know, I've made some pretty good money. Um, I'm frustrated by my market. I'm frustrated by – the pandemic situation, you know, I, I think I can pro, I, I think he's basically playing chicken, uh, with, with the, with, with the, the global situation and trying to, to see if he can get to training camp. And then you have a team that says, all right, we think we're pretty good, but we need some pass rush help or maybe an injury happens and, and somebody gets desperate and they want to pay him. Um, and, and then he can go and get that price tag that he's wanted. I think, you know, unfortunately the reality is, you know, teams have already, for, for you know, large portion of teams have already set their roster and set their budgets, um, and aren't going to want to make a big splash on a guy like Clowney. But I, I do think, I do think he'll find a home. I just think it's he doesn't want to sign up now and have to worry about reporting on time. You know, worry about reporting and, and being there right on time when he realizes that he can sort of kick it down the road a bit and and probably isn't desperate for that that influx of cash. Chris Jones, you know, I, I feel for the guy because. He he wanted to get paid last offseason and um, seemed like he was contemplating making a little bit of a stink about it and and then just ultimately decided that he was going to be you know he was going to be quiet he was going to be you know a good soldier so to speak and go in there and just you know play his tail off and 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 hope and hope that he got rewarded by the Chiefs for that and they you know they ultimately just don't don't I guess don't want to give him that long term deal and would rather you know use him on the tag and. I, you know, I don't know if you. I don't know if he's going to sit out that. You know, Le'Veon Bell, who he cited uh, on Twitter, set out the second tag after playing on the first one. I, I don't know if Chris Jones, you know, feels like he can do that and to, and to pass on all that guaranteed money that he'd be getting on this one-year deal. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that players who have earned substantial uh, cash flow uh, already are probably more likely to sit out. And, and look, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of cases of guys who. You know, may have situations at home. I mean, you know, you hear that with 
Ryan Zimmerman and Ian Desmond and on the on the baseball front. You know, those they cited. Uh, you know, whether it's for different reasons, personal personal matters that led them to believe they shouldn't be out on the field. Those guys have made a lot of money over the course of their careers, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have NFL players. We, we've seen uh, some NBA guys do it as well. You know, uh, I think it was uh, somebody for the Lakers uh, said, you know, said, look, I've got a, you know, I've got a family situation where uh, you know one of my children has, uh, you know, like one of my one of my children has. Um, you know, uh, uh, maybe it's a respiratory illness or whatever it is. I mean, there's going to be people like that in the NFL who ultimately have to make a decision about whether they want to put their families at risk by playing this season. And so, yeah, I think we could see some folks sit out. Yeah, and that's what I'm wondering about. Like in the case of Chris Jones, and I, I the, neither side is wrong on this. Okay, Chris rightfully has just watched uh, DeForest Buckner get uh, $20.1 million on a five-year deal. Anyway, so he got five years, 105. And, you know, Chris Jones is is close to being to him as you can find. And so knowing he's playing yeah. on a team that has a $20.8 million defensive end in Frank Clark, uh, you'd think, okay, well, I, I should get close to uh, this Frank Clark number, even though he's a defensive end, but also I should be able to get the DeForest Buckner. So he's right in that value. But here's where the Chiefs have the problem, and they're right in this. You don't know what the cap's going to be next year. And you also need to find a deal yeah. with Patrick Mahomes, and you know that number is going to be $40 million. But if the cap's going to stay where it is, is or drop because of the lack of revenue because of you know you don't know who's going to be in the stands you don't know all these different things what you're looking at is that okay can and can you really do a 20.1 million dollar deal and i'd say no because uh, at this stage you know they're they they're tight against the cap this year they uh, you know can't clear up a room next year because again you don't know what the cap's going to be and so it's like I'm I'm starting to wonder are these players gonna it's like okay well I I can't be fined because I'm a franchise player in the case of Clowney unsigned so I'll just wait this out and I'll see where it goes at the end of training camp. Yeah, I know. I think that's a great point, John. And to, you know the other thing I wonder if Chris Jones just sort of thought about this too is like if you play this year on the franchise tag, um, what you know you can. And you don't, I know you, I know he doesn't want to do it, but what's interesting about that is, and this applies to, to Dak Prescott as well, and or anybody that's playing that's on a franchise tag right now. You know, if you're you know you if that if that salary cap ends up you know contracting or staying right where it is, you know you're going to be getting at bare minimum 120 percent of what you got this year. Uh, you know teams, you know that's fine if the salary cap grows for these teams. But, you know, if you're Dak Prescott or Chris Jones, you play one year, and then the Chiefs or the, the Cowboys, respective, the Cowboys or Chiefs respectively, want to franchise tag you again, it may be even more difficult. It's going to hurt their roster uh, because of that 120% that they would get next year on that second franchise tag. So if it's me, I may be willing to, to sort of push the envelope a bit. And certainly, I think, you know, you'll see him skip training camp and, and these off-season activities, Chris Jones, that is. Um, you know, if, if he hadn't signed his franchise tender. Um, but, yeah, I think that's one of the things these teams need to think about, too. Like, if I'm Jerry Jones with the DAC stuff, I'm getting the deal done in the next 15 days because and, – and, frankly, I'm going to you know, figure out a way to take as big a cap hit this year as we can afford to take, knowing that next year that cap might end up shrinking and we just don't know what the math is going to do on it because of those fans and because we don't know whether it's going to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% of fans in the stands. Um, there, there's a lot of – unknowns out there so yeah i think i think that these players you're right may end up being a little more cautious but i would i would sort of be doing the the long-term math on on what might create the most leverage for me if i'm one of those guys on the tag see that's why i think dak was smart in signing his tender and now putting jerry in a tougher position because you know if he you know that uh dak's going to be a cowboy 
I mean, you know, Jerry's not going to let him go, even if he has to franchise him next year. But if, if he franchises him next year, it's $37.7 million. All right. Where's that a problem? All right. They've got seven players that total $96.6 million of cap room next year, including two $22 million players in Amari Cooper and uh, Demarcus Lawrence. You know, they have three offensive linemen in that category. You know, they've got, uh, you know, they're just loaded up to a point where uh, Ezekiel Elliott makes $13 million. And so <clears throat> with those players, and if you have to add the 37-7, now you're talking $133 million of a shrinking cap or a, de- a cap that doesn't get any benefit. It doesn't work. So you have to start letting some guys go, you know, letting Lil Collins yep. go, maybe letting Amari Cooper go. Uh, and so uh, you're right. That's why I think that, you know, Dak's the one guy of the 14 fr- franchise guys that I think gets done. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I think, like, I mean, Jerry's no dummy. I mean, he made a lot of money. You know, I mean, he's, he's a smart guy. He has to know, and he hires smart people to run their cap stuff. He has to know that, you know, as we're pointing out here, that, like, if Dak gets to, if Dak doesn't get a deal done, and he, you know, they're going to have to tag him again next year because you can't negotiate during the season. So all of a sudden, he has a $38 million cap hold on you. That's going to make life really difficult as you head into free agency. And there's not going to be any impetus for Dak to, to sign a team-friendly deal. So I, I think if I'm the Cowboys, I'm like, I'm like, look, Dak, what do you want? You know, like, give, tell us, tell us, give us, give me your, give me your bottom number that you'll sign to, to, to make you happy. And I'm taking that number. And then I, I'm just going to have to sort of eat the, you know, just, just, Take the L, Jerry. You know, you let it get this far. Uh, you don't want a Kirk Cousins situation on your hands like the Redskins had. And so then structure the contract in a way that is going to help you build out your roster and maintain all those star players for the future. As in, take that big cap hit now and then, you know, take a smaller cap hit structure. So there's a smaller cap hit next year. So you're not you know, dealing with restructuring and all of that at the end of the season. And you can maintain all that talent around that. Yeah, because the one thing I think you're going to see next year, uh, there's you know there's 14 franchise guys and a transition guy this year, and I think next year because if the caps flatter goes down, there's going to be more of a tendency to franchise guys, you know, uh, because again they may actually come in at a cheaper franchise number than this year. I'll give you an example. There's 10 yeah, running backs. That's right that are from the 217 draft that most of them, if not all have been either to the pro bowl or have had thousand yard seasons. It's an incredible draft class. And of course, you know, Christian McCaffrey got 16. I contend uh, it's going to be hard for any of those guys to get with the cap situation, the way it is more than 10 million a year. And if that's the case, I mean, you go to Dalvin cook, it's like, okay, I'll franchise you at 10. Uh, I'll franchise uh, Amari Cooper at 10. You know, Cooper, Cooper deserves more than 10, but you might not be able to do it cap-wise with the way it's going to be if the cap decreases, but you can still do the franchise tag and, you know, get them for cheaper than what they are in uh, free agency. Yeah, I mean, like, and, you know, Joe Mixon's a prime example, too. I mean, the key, Mixon and Cook both want new contracts from their teams, but you're the Vikings, you're like, look, I mean, sorry, we got, we got a knockout, you know, I got a, I got a, you know, you might be the Lexus, Dalvin, but I got this Toyota named Alexander Madison here who's still, who's still really cheap and, and can run fairly well. And, and additionally, you haven't been healthy, and we have this franchise tag sitting there waiting for you. You know, you don't have a fifth-year option for those guys. And you're right, it has been just an incredible class of running backs. Um, but I, I can't, you know, I think that was the one thing with McCaffrey. I don't like, I don't love paying running backs at all. And McCaffrey, I guess, is a different cat. But I do kind of like the idea that Carolina just went ahead and paid him early while he's still young. Like, if you're going to pay him, 
I'd rather pay him, pay him expecting great stuff coming out of him than, than waiting and watching him play really well and then paying him after. I, I know that's sort of a, a circular type of logic, but yeah, I, I think, I think you'll see a lot of teams utilize those tags on those running backs because it's, it's the easiest way to get the best production for your buck out of, out of that position. Yeah, and of course, I mean, the running back number is not as low as, say, uh, well, I say lower than safety. It's one of the lowest numbers you can get. And so you're kind of getting a guy at, uh, you know, at a, at a modest price. So I can definitely see that happening. Then on the flip side, on Sunday night, the stunning news comes out that Cam Newton agrees to a minimum salary deal with incentives to go to the New England Patriots. And, you know, I look at it on the flip side because, again, he, like uh, Jadevian Clowney and all the other players, can't get physicals. All right. So certainly, I mean, he wants to be a starter. And so now he'll gamble on himself at the minimum salary to be able to go there, compete against Jared Stidham, who the Patriots really like, and see where it goes. But also, if uh, he goes, because, you know, technically, until he gets a physical, they can't approve the contract. And if he fails the physical, even uh, in that, or they decide they don't want him in July, then he's still going to be in the same position as he is. But at least he was smart enough to think, okay, here's a chance for me to start, and I'll deal with everything else later. Yeah, and I think when you really and I wrote about this for CBSSports.com, but you know when you and one of the questions I think is like you know why wasn't there a market for him? I think you you can really go through all the NFL teams and either you know either every team you know, the Panthers released him, um, you know the Bears traded for Nick Foles, and then there's like ten or twelve teams that recently drafted a quarterback in the first or second round, and then there's like ten or twelve teams who have an established veteran. And then there are like three or four teams like the Colts and the Bucks who you know, signed somebody this offseason. It, it basically, you know, and, and I, I think the problem with Cam is that unlike Jameis Winston, he wasn't, he didn't want to go somewhere and, and, and be a backup for a year and then see if he could get a starting job. He wanted a chance to compete. Uh, he's also such a big personality, a former MVP, former number one overall pick, and, and such a, you know, a great player when he is healthy that you know, it's it's hard if you're a Washington if you're the Washington Redskins do you want to bring him in with Dwayne Haskins there because you know that that's a lot of that's a big uh, shadow to have looming over Dwayne Haskins you know I, I would assume that Russell Wilson doesn't want Cam Newton backing him up because if, you know if he plays poorly people are like well what do we throw Cam out there let's see what he's got and and so I, I think it really came down to it. it's like the Patriots and the Jaguars and those are the only spots left um, it didn't seem like Jacksonville had a lot of interest they kind of want to. They're in this weird limbo where we don't know if they're rebuilding and they kind of want to see what they have in Minshew. And so the Patriots ultimately you know, were always the team that made the most sense. What, what I think is fascinating, John, is that it, it looks to me as if Bill Belichick has been for the past 18 months maybe, um, maybe even longer, sort of kind of gearing towards having a you know, power run game and that being the, the focal point of that offense. I, I think what they wanted to do with, if, they, if they roll with Stidham is to have it be like 2001 and be a run-heavy team that plays great defense, and you have this quarterback who converts third downs and, and you know like friendly third downs, and then makes clutch throws like Tom Brady, the, the game manager that Tom Brady was when he started his career. And I think since the pandemic came on, Bill Belichick has, has really decided, okay, look, you know this is going to be a weird season. There is not going to be a lot of practice. We don't know what we're going to have in the off season. The easiest way with all this transition we've got going on at the quarterback position to make this team perform well is to just keep it simple, stupid, run the football. You know, they tag Joe Tooney. They clearly have an emphasis on, 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 you know, staying, staying, uh, 
potent at the offensive line. And I think he looked at it too. He's like, all right, look, you know, Josh McDaniels has wanted to have a running quarterback for a while. He drafted Tim Tebow at Denver. You know, I think Bill Belichick's kind of wanted to experiment with a running quarterback um, over the last few years, but Tom Brady just kept playing well. And so now you have Cam Newton, who not only supplements the running game, but he enhances it with his, mm-hmm. with his ability to operate in the red zone and, and to run the football with, with, by himself. So now, who's the best team in the AFC East? Because I thought before this, uh, it was Buffalo because they've done a great job of rebuilding. They get Stephon Diggs. They have a great defense. Now the Patriots have a defense that's stingy because of the how how good they are in man coverage and the, and the secondary, and uh, they have enough on the front seven to be able to win. So who's the best team in the East? It's a it's a great question. I will I will probably end up picking. Whoever else, whoever the public is not picking, and I, I like the page. Or whoever Pete Prisco's not picking. On the, yeah, whoever Pete Prisco's not. Oh, no, you, know, Pete, Pete Prisco. I'll give Pete credit. Last year on my podcast, before the 2019 season, Pete said that the Bills would win the AFC East in 2020. They had no idea Tom Brady was even leaving, and he was predicting the Bills. So he is he's all in on the Bills and Josh Allen. I, I think I think Josh, it's it comes down to this for me really is. What's more like what what happens what happens here? Is it is Cam Newton healthy or does Josh Allen take a leap? Because I think and, and maybe may the answer is neither. But I think whichever one of those happens, that's the team that will win the division. If it, if the Patriots have a healthy Cam, I, I think I think they'll take down the AFC East. But if Josh Allen takes a leap in his third year, and I, I don't think he's going to become a seventy percent completion guy, but you know if he can if he can. You know, get some semblance of deep ball accuracy, and if he can start making smarter decisions and and, and check down maybe a little bit more, um, not not try and go for the 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 kill shot every single time, and, and to utilize Cole Beasley and and, and Dawson Knox on these shorter passes, then I think that you you know and, and still be a potent runner with his legs, then I think that the Bills can can certainly win the division. It's going to be close. That, that Buffalo roster is really really good. Yeah, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done a great job building it out. Uh, but I, I'm just not, I'm just not uh, into betting against Bill Belichick. I think it's I think that's, that's played out poorly over the over the years. No doubt. So, what all do you have in the podcast and everything else? Uh, we just wrapped up our uh, all 32 series where we we took a we took a look at uh, at all the different teams with a, with a, with, a, with some beat writers and uh, and or and or folks who follow teams closely. And uh, we've got we're doing some some mailbag stuff and, and rankings. We're, we're really running the gamut on. Uh, off season, uh, uh, like desperate, desperate off season content. Like next up, Mount Rushmore, more than likely. Okay, and of course, how how can you get the podcast? Uh, you can go to uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. It's a Pick Six Podcast, uh, and you can uh, you can download it wherever podcasts are found. Okay, Will Brinson, thank you for joining us on educating us on schooled with the professor. Hey, anytime, John. Always a pleasure, man. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.